I am 25 years old and I feel so old. I'm halfway through my 20s and I know that there's a lot of people older than me that feel even worse and there's a lot of people younger than me that also feel really old and there's just this struggle of wanting to live this long healthy life live to be over 100 years old but then you also want to live in the moment and enjoy your life as you go through it and it's just this balance of short-term and long-term happiness combined with the realization that you're going to die from something if you really wanted to you could completely over the top drive yourself crazy by following every single rule and having the perfect diet perfect exercise plan but that's not a life that is to be enjoyed and this is what we're talking about today how do we live long happy healthy life well balanced never sacrificing our physical health for our mental or spiritual health high quality of life be there for our great great grandchildren and enjoy it every step of the way this is episode three and while episodes do not need to be listened to in any particular order do not forget to go back and listen to the first two episodes entitled covid and resilience and osteopathic medicine hello everyone I have been so overwhelmed by the support and success of First Line so far. Having listeners from the US, India, Bangladesh, the UK, and the United Arab Emirates is so cool to me. And I love connecting with you on social media. Follow me on Instagram at First Line Podcast if you haven't already. I always follow back and always answer my DMs. First Line is now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. First line is the term used in the medical world for the go-to treatment for a diagnosis. What should be done first and the best option? I named this podcast First Line because lifestyle and prevention is the first line treatment for a healthy life. This episode is part one of a series addressing lifestyle changes and tangible steps you can take to reduce your risk for diseases and illnesses. We're talking about the most common causes of death and how to avoid them. I know that some of you might be in your 20s and have absolutely nothing wrong with you. I am one of you with some exceptions, but I am very healthy right now. You are not going to always be that way. You're just not. You have to start now making good decisions that last a lifetime. I don't want to hear any of the, oh, I can eat whatever I want. I never gain a pound. I can diet when I'm 40 and gaining weight. And I'm here to say that's not going to work. So many of the diseases that we learn about in medical school develop over decades okay listen up if you are a smoker i need you to go to your family physician 
for an appointment to only talk about smoking. If you drink too much alcohol, that's not going to serve you well. If you don't exercise, if you eat whatever you want, whether it's salty foods, deep fried foods, sugary foods, that's not going to serve you well. When I first heard that dementia shows up on the brain 20 years before symptoms start, I was baffled. You can change your habits now to reap better health later to avoid these diagnoses. And even if it is a diagnosis that doesn't necessarily end your life, it will definitely provide some complications to your life. Like you won't be able to be as active when you're older. You won't be able to enjoy your later years. I want you to take a second to imagine if you were so fortunate to live to the year 100. Think about it. Think about all the 100-year-olds that you've ever seen in your life. And think about yourself at that age. Do you think that you would be in good shape if you were following the same habits you have today, what would you want to be able to achieve at that age? Would you want to be able to play with your great-grandchildren? Would you want to be able to travel the world? Would you want to be able to have a good night's sleep, wake up, drink some coffee, go on a morning stroll? And are the habits you have today serving you to be that healthy 100 year old and some of you might hear 100 years old gosh that's awfully optimistic is it though is it really because I don't know about you but even in my lifetime and I've talked to people a lot older than me and it's even more astonishing for them even in my lifetime born in 96 the change in technology has been unbelievable I remember having like just one of those CD players and then moving up to an MP3 player and then an iPod and then an iTouch that can connect to Wi-Fi and then an iPhone. And now the things that I can do with my iPhone compared to my first iPhone, it's astonishing. And that's just one example. Think about the changes in healthcare as well. The surgeries that are being able to be performed on a daily basis now with robots. It's incredible. Look it up if you've if you have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm just always grateful for the development of allergy medications because Every time I have a peanut, I have a peanut allergy, so every time I have a peanut, I am close to death. And these allergy medications, whether it's an EpiPen or a pill or my inhaler because it also aggravates my asthma, all of that brings me back to life. It's it's amazing. And we didn't have that a few hundred years ago. 
I don't know what happened to those people. I don't want to know. But what I do know is that I am alive and well today. But if I was born back then, I probably would not be. This is the time to be alive. I don't understand why it's not everyone's goal to live to at least 100. Why wouldn't you want to live longer? Especially if it meant you lived longer and you were at the same health. Think about that. If you could live to 100 and those are just quality years, like you're not stuck in a retirement home, you're not limited by your ability to walk, you are not on dialysis or diabetes medication, you are just living your fullest life longer and enjoying great-great-grandchildren, why is that not everyone's goal? Because that is definitely my goal. I am in medical school to help people. Along the way, I am getting so fired up about increasing my own health and taking some of the advice that we are taught to give patients and I'm continuing to educate and I'm using myself as my own guinea pig to see what works what behavioral changes because most of medicine now since so many things are preventable at least you can modify your risk factors there will always be genetic basis for so many disease but so many of it you can change yourself that really excites me because the first most common cause of death in general is cardiovascular disease and this will be the topic for part one of this series how do we get cardiovascular disease for the continuation of this conversation on this episode i will not be referring to congenital heart disease which are conditions that individuals are born with that place them at a much higher risk of cardiac-related death. These are very rare. Much more common are acquired forms of heart disease, which develop in adulthood, and this is why we'll focus on here. Heart disease development, like many other illnesses, is caused by a mix of possible genetic predisposition and lifestyle factors. Genetic predisposition often goes along with family history, but this does not in any way mean that having a family member who has or had heart disease means that you will too. It usually means your risk compared to the general population may be higher, but your fate has not been decided. In fact, this means that your diet and exercise are even more important. For the vast majority of heart disease, lifestyle factors are heavily involved. This also means that having no family history of heart disease will not save you if your food choices are poor and your activity level is low. My philosophy about this is that you have no control over your genes and your family history, but you do have a lot of control over your environment and the choices you make on a daily basis. So let's talk about this. Diet. Diet is not my favorite term for the food that you eat because of the associations it has, but I will continue to use the term because it's short, simple, and is just the word that comes to mind when I speak. I like the word nourishment because it focuses on the growth and health aspect of food, and that's really how we should view healthy food. Diet, I think, has the connotation that you're not allowed certain foods, 
while others are allowed, and that has never really been my philosophy. Diet with a focus on the nourishment aspect lines up better with the idea that food is medicine. With this view, healthy food serves this important role in healing. Diet should be more about this lifelong habit that consists of consistently choosing healthy foods over unhealthy foods in order to nourish our body, mind, and spirit. Okay, I, I could have a whole episode on heart healthy diet. I'm not going to do that right now, but you already know what's healthy and what's not healthy. To be brief on this, if you are really looking for somewhere to start, it is always a good idea to choose whole foods over processed foods. And what I mean by whole foods is anything that you can buy in the store in its original form as if the ingredients list would only have one ingredient. That's how you want to buy it, and then you can cook food at home and combine as many whole foods as you want in order to make a meal. The point here is that you aren't relying on processed foods like frozen entrees, microwavable meals, packaged bread, chips, baked goods, you get the idea. These foods are not off limits, but I want you to focus more about loading your cart with more produce and less of these processed foods. When it comes to cardiovascular health, the big one is going to be cholesterol and salt. Because hypertension is caused by salt, and hypertension combined with high cholesterol, bad cholesterol, lead to atherosclerosis, which is just a way of saying clogged arteries. And you might already have some clogging, especially if you were one of those young people that knew that they could eat whatever they want and not gain weight. It's not about calories in and calories out. It's not about, well, I didn't gain weight, so I must be fine. It is about your cholesterol and your salt, which do not have calories. The food it has absolutely has calories, but cholesterol and salt, you don't really know exactly how much you're getting unless you're counting it and i'm not saying you need to be counting it but maybe count it for a day and see where you're at and if you already have hypertension it is not irreversible you can control that right now lower your salt intake if you have hypertension if you already have that double whammy with you know you're eating too much cholesterol, you can work on that too, but try to get your hypertension managed with your salt intake. And salt is in everything. Everything. During COVID, when I was stuck in my apartment, especially like right before COVID when I knew it was going to be really bad, when I knew things were going to be shut down. Of course, I made a huge grocery delivery of so many frozen meals. So that was all I was eating, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, frozen meal. So I thought it fun to just count one of the days of what I would normally eat. Gosh, the salt intake, three times as much as is recommended. That's not good. Of course, Usually I'm pretty healthy, so it didn't give me hypertension. That's not usually how that works. So no good. Had to really make changes, making sure that, thank goodness, the grocery stores didn't close down and we could continue to get 
fruits and vegetables. And I think we were just worried that we had to stock up on things that wouldn't expire in case food just ran out. But thankfully that wasn't the case. I still have so many canned green beans in my cupboard. But the idea here is that you just want to take what you normally eat and then just count it up. See where you're at, even if you don't have hypertension. And then just look back at it and think, okay, what small changes do I need to make? I think the biggest thing that I did to lower my salt intake was cook my own food. And it sounds so easy, right? It's such an easy switch. But it, in practice, it's it's kind of hard because so many of what we eat is prepackaged. So I really forced myself to, okay, instead of buying things pre-made like these frozen dinners, how about I just buy the ingredients for it? And I started out doing that and I would add my own salt, which was way less salt than what is normally in frozen meals. So even that change in itself helped immensely. But then I figured out how to actually season food. And think about this, like salt is used to season food, to make it taste better, to enhance the normal ingredients, right? Salt in itself is not really satisfying. But I learned instead of sprinkling the little dash of salt that I would put on literally everything because I, I love salty food, I would instead use other seasoning. This is going to take some education, and I could also have a whole podcast about this too. Be careful not to use seasoning salt or like a mix of spices because a lot of times they put salt in it. What I would recommend, I started simply with some black pepper because, come on, everyone loves black pepper. And then, you know, things like oregano, which I love already to put on my pizza, but I also tried putting it in pasta dishes and different vegetables and then you can get a little adventurous and try things like turmeric which is my absolute favorite now things like rosemary and I could go on and on different things sage and I put cinnamon in everything that's sweet I put it on my fruit the thing is you're gonna find spices that you like and others that you don't like and a lot of them are acquired taste but you just have to find out what you like. If you find things that you really love, like I know to buy big things of black pepper, seasoning with seasoning without salt. That's where we are. To prevent hypertension, to prevent atherosclerosis, big word, to prevent cardiovascular disease. I took quite some time to introduce the importance of prevention and lifestyle changes for longevity and devoted a good portion of this week's episode to cover the most common cause of death according to the CDC. In part two, I will cover the next few on that list. Instead of focusing on avoiding these common risks for mortality, let's look at this as a way to guide how we can live our healthiest lives by addressing common obstacles we are likely to encounter especially with the Western diet and lifestyle. By the time this episode is released, I will have already started my first rotation of my third year of medical school, starting in psychiatry, and I'm really excited for it. As always, I can't wait to hear feedback on this episode on Instagram. 
I would also love to hear what questions you have for me that I could answer on future episodes. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening.